0: South Carolina, Sheldon Benjamin, taking another Let's chance. Yours, look out. Oh, Land on his feet, great he's, balance. He's kept quick. Great athleticism. Benjamin, Sunset Quick to the cradle, he's Whoa. got, goal. he got, it. boy, I
1: thought Benjamin had it right there. Oh. Well, he may have it here. Samoan drop, Benjamin, the Samoan drop, has hooked the near leg, but the cover, you can see the cover. I just don't think Benjamin has, has recuperated King from that suicide dive. That's not the kind of cover, of the Intercontinental Champion, that we're used to seeing from him. Well, let's turn. give Carlito a little bit of credit. This kid is
0: this kid is good, JR. No doubt about it.
1: Oh, look, look, look at oh, this.
0: The roll-up. A roll-up. Hey, what? Look! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to the flagship two-man power trip of wrestling interview show here on the TMPT Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined here by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And today we got a very interesting guest making his debut on the TMPT platform as we welcome in Carlito Cologne. Carlito, Carlito Caribbean Cool, Carly Cologne, whatever you want to call him, he's here today. And every time Carlito seems to talk, a lot of people turn their heads. And every time Carlito opens his mouth, he says something that could get him in trouble. And hopefully when you hear this interview today, you'll take something away from it. And I think, uh, John, as I get you warmed up here in the bullpen, get ready to talk about your interview here with Carlito. I'm sure with every question you were just kind of sitting on the edge of your seat for the answer because Carlito... Always tells it like it is and never holds anything back.
2: Yeah, he is definitely a straight shooter, and he definitely does not care, you know, what the fans care, what people have to say. He's just going to shoot and basically speak his mind. He's not going to hold anything back, which is which I, I like. And obviously when you do an interview with somebody, you prefer honesty above all else. But it's interesting with him. He's been in the business, God, you know, for basically forever, if you really think about it debuted 20 years ago, which is crazy to think, you know, really, you know, and obviously with his father being a legend that he is, he basically born into the business. And it's one of those things when you're a second generation star, some of them flourish and some of them don't. And he did flourish for quite a while. And he's one of those guys where, you know, he knows that last name and he knows what it brings to the table. And he knows that you know, he can kind of do and say as he pleases because he can sure as hell back it up.
0: Would you count him in the category of the rocket strapped to his back (laughs) from when he debuted on WWE TV and defeating John Cena and being thrust literally from a guy that we only saw vignettes of into like this huge spot on WWE TV, but not to discount those vignettes and what they were at the time, kind of like a reinvention. They weren't doing that many of them uh, before the character debuted, but like I said, he was just literally – debuted and thrust into this huge storyline with a just-turned-babyface John Cena. And um, at the time, Cena was very popular, and Carlito was almost like the uh, the perfect foil, the perfect bad guy.
2: I did love those vignettes, and we did talk about them pretty extensively in the interview. Very cool stuff, very different as far as—you're like you're right, they weren't really doing as much of that in that era. Obviously, if you're a, a longtime fan, a fan of the 90s, I'm sure— as hell, you remember the Razor Ramon vignettes and how very similar they were. And in the interview, he actually mentioned he didn't realize when people were saying it was such a, like a Razor Ramon ripoff or just like Razor Ramon, that the vignettes are very similar. The character is very similar. He's, he's spitting out the apple. Well, Razor Ramon was, you know, flicking the toothpick, a lot of similarities in it, which was cool. But you mentioned John Cena. We do talk about that as well. As soon as you get in and you beat John Cena, who was kind of, you could tell from the very beginning, was destined to be one of their boys, one of the guys that's going to get the push, one of the guys that's going to get the rocket, it's one of those things that's like, wow, what a great debut. Beat John Cena, you're the new U.S. champion, It's just unbelievable. And, you know, he continues on the feud with John Cena, but it's like one of those things where it's like, well, where do you go from here? And I really feel like after that, the great vignettes, the debut, the and beat, beating Cena, I feel like could have led to the world title or could have been kind of a a even bigger push for Carlito, but it seemed to have pushed John Cena more to the, uh, to the stratosphere and and towards that world uh, championship.
0: I feel like they're kind of afraid to put it on a guy like Carlito, just because he does say what he wants. And uh, he was a guy at the time that, you know, you could tell he was a little different than everybody else because of that family pedigree. And I don't know, you might be too afraid to put a big title on him like that. But definitely fit perfectly into that mid-card. And at the time, there were so many guys that you could definitely go with. And as a as a top heel, he was the man. I mean, think about how many times you want to now you know, take a bite of that apple and spit it at somebody. I mean, come on. I I mean, come on. I, I will just say that. <laughs> well, he had the shirt here, the uh, spitter swallow shirt. I mean, he had a million great little catchphrases. Uh, but you know, he's just a guy when you look at it, and this is something we were talking about just before we hit record, shocking that he's been gone from the WWE as long as he has been, because you think of him from that 2000, you know, three and on era to think that he's been out of there since around 2010 is crazy because he's one of those guys that's always linked to coming back. And to be honest with you, at this point, 10 years later, I mean, does he even need them? He's doing pretty damn good by himself.
2: Yeah, he's always booked and consistently, and he's booked all over the world. Obviously, Puerto Rico is such a huge star, goes over there a few times a year, and sure just makes an absolute killing because he's basically a Puerto Rican icon at this point. But, you know, you, you think back and you mentioned that 2010, when we were just talking before Eric, talking about the last time he was there. I was thinking like 2016, 2014, like something where it was more recent. Didn't realize almost 10 years has passed since he's been there. That's crazy. Just just to think of how fast that's gone by and where the years have gone. But wow. And obviously his really last appearance was for his dad's Hall of Fame induction. So, I mean, it's been a long time since he was actually on television for WWE. It's almost kind of weird that they haven't brought him back. You would think that they would have. And we do talk about it in the interview they've asked a few times and they kind of made him. I believe it was Johnny Ace, If I remember correctly when we we're talking about it, but they like kind of make him a deal, but it was lower than the money he was making last time, which they knew he wasn't happy with, with, you know, him wanting more money and things like that. So it's like one of those things where it's like, wow, you really made the guy an offer for less money. You guess you really didn't want him then, or you wanted him on your terms and, and he might even be more better than he was the last time leaving. So, they definitely, I guess, kind of wanted him back, but you know, but but almost wanted to humble him a bit. It's they're definitely weird in, in that regard with some of the guys. But it is
0: shocking, like you said, nine years ago, almost ten years ago
2: since he was last on WWE TV.
0: Yeah, part of the uh, the the Cologne family tag team, which I think in some way, shape, or form is still technically under contract somewhere in the WWE uh, hmm. system somewhere uh but grossly, you know, underused just because, you know, he was uh, I don't know, he was just so good. He was a great heel and when he turned babyface, eh, didn't really I don't know, it didn't really connect, but he's just a great performer. He's a great uh personality and that's why he still, like you said, gets booked all the time and is never, never <laughs> not seen on a show somewhere. So more power to Carlino and obviously appreciate him coming on. And spending a few minutes before we get into the wrap-up and to the plugs, John, give me your keys to the game. What do we have to look for here in this interview with Carlito?
2: A lot of good stuff. I mean, we do talk a little bit about Puerto Rico, but it's a lot about his time in WWF. And I think the most interesting thing might be kind of the misconception about him. Him And even when we talk about OVW, how Cornette kind of thought he was just being lazy and since he was so good and so polished and he understood the business so well, it was almost like he was taking it for granted or so they thought, but it just came natural to him and it came easy to him. So it's one of those things where maybe Cornette didn't like him or maybe... Certain people didn't like him, or maybe backstage they thought he needed to be humbled. But it was, just came naturally to him. He's the son of the you know legendary Carlos Colon, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, one of the biggest Puerto Rican stars of all time. So it was one of those things where it's in his blood. It's very natural and free flowing. Maybe he didn't have to try as hard almost, which is crazy to think. But he just uh, was just like I just said. It was, I mean, it just naturally came to him. He was just a gifted wrestler and performer and and um, a wrestler in that regard. And just being one of those guys that's just easy, you know, it comes to him very easily. And it wasn't one of those things where he just hated the business or hated doing it. It was kind of a job to him and a job to him that he could just do and kind of do it for the money and not necessarily always be about the passion and always be about the family lineage and the tradition, but I think maybe that r- rubs some people the wrong way. And I do like how we get into that in the interview and talk about him wanting to leave WWE and asking for his release and really having drug issues and drug problems and becoming a little bit of a of a drug addict, so to speak, uh, because of WWE and, and not wanting to be there and being bitter. And as soon as he left, as soon as he got off the road, he got clean and, and got healthy and everything worked out for the best. And he was happy. And it was one of those things where it's like, wow, away from WB, away from the road, away from that schedule, away from poor creative, was able to heal himself, get back to business, being a lot better off than he was when he was in WB and became a lot happier for it, quite frankly. And it's one of those things when you step away from WB sometimes, you do it for the better. You know, some guys they step away and maybe they you know fall downhill or it becomes worse. But you no, know, he says there was nothing but Happiness and he was actually thrilled and excited to be leaving WB so he can clean himself up, clean his act up, and kind of just uh, keep on rolling and re- doing the wrestling thing. And we get into it too, and kind of getting into the acting world as well. Because if you watch Glow
0: or if you watch the Goldbergs, it's kind of uh, making a little bit of a mark in the acting world as well. Very, very nice. Hey, it's a story of redemption as well as the story of spitting out apples and being cool. Here with Carlito. So appreciate him again for coming on uh, with us and to uh, give his story and uh, just to talk a little uh, Caribbean cool, which is what you are going to be doing here in just a couple of minutes. So let's wrap it up here, nice. Head on over to tmptempire.com, get all the information on the podcast, whether it's the JJ Dillon podcast, Francine's Eyes Up Here, or if you want to link on over to the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas. You can do all that over at TMPTEmpire.com. Please join us. You will not be disappointed. So that's enough out of me. Let's get it on over to the interview here with uh, Carlito right now.
2: And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Razzlin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno Sammartino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane-Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingKey.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingKey.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon store, Francine's store, and of course, the Franchise Shane St. Douglas Store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Automatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. And and now, without any further ado, 18-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, a former WWE Intercontinental as well as WWE United States Champion. You may know him as Carlito, or Carlito Caribbean
0: Cool, but he is Carlos Hello
2: Please enjoy. I spit in the
1: face of people who don't want to be cool. You know what cool is? You're looking at nothing beats me. Spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Oh, yeah.
2: All right, That's on the line right now, is a former WWE United States champion as well as a former WWE Intercontinental champion. Of course, a former two time WWE World Tag Team champion. You may know him as Carlos Colombo. We know him as Carlito. Carlito, welcome to the two man power trip of wrestling.
1: Hey, what's up, man? How are you
2: guys doing? Hey, so, you know, you are one of those guys that uh, so many fans know and so many fans are familiar with. It's such a popular name, whether it's Puerto Rico or you know, Stateside, as far as making your name in the WWE. What has like what have you been up to lately? Because we always see your name popping up, indie shows here and there and still so popular. But what have you been up to?
1: Uh, nothing much, man. Just uh, doing, uh, I guess, the independent circuit. Uh, still, you know, still traveling the world. Uh, pretty much, you know, just a lighter lighter schedule than before.
2: <laughs> Do you like the lighter schedule rather than the crazy, hectic world of uh, WWE?
1: Yeah, uh, I like, yeah, I think everybody, you know, especially when you get to my age, everybody enjoys a lighter schedule.
2: Now, as far as kind of uh, taking that lighter schedule and doing some just things like that side stuff, do you still travel to Puerto Rico a lot? Do you still wrestle in Puerto Rico a lot?
1: Yeah, I try. To, I try to get back as 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 much as I can whenever my uh, my schedule allows. Uh, so you know, I usually go. I would say between maybe three times.
2: Sometimes you know, sometimes less, sometimes a little more, but around three times a year. I think your name, obviously, and yourself and your father, obviously, so synonymous with Puerto Rico and Puerto Rican wrestling. Is that kind of not to say? It's a, it's a lot of pressure, but is that any sort of extra added pressure for or anything? Kind of when when you're there, like oh, I got to perform. You know, the name is so synonymous with Puerto Rico and with Puerto Rican wrestling.
1: Yeah, uh, no, not really. You know, I always try to focus on on doing my own thing. I didn't worry about living up to expectations. You know, what I mean, it's just I always, you know, I, I'm I'm my worst critic, so I, you know, I always just make sure that I put
2: out something that I would be proud of. And as far as your father and him being the legend that he is, did he want you to get into wrestling business or he didn't want you? Because you always hear both sides. Like sometimes the father does, sometimes the father doesn't. Yeah,
1: I, you know, I don't know. It was, it was so long ago. I don't, I don't even know. I just, I feel like I uh, I had
2: no choice but to become a wrestler.
1: I think that was the only option. <laughs> hmm.
2: Natural, basically, you know, like you're basically a natural. It's just an easy thing for you. Well, just, you because know, all my jobs are wrestling related.
1: You know, I started out in the canteen. Then I moved on to selling beer in the crowd. Then I became uh, one of the cameramen. Uh, I used to put up the ring. So And then eventually just, you know, I think the natural evolution was to become a wrestler.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. You do all that stuff, might as well hop in the ring and uh, do it for real, you know, become a wrestler. Absolutely. Now, as far as Puerto Rico and, and kind of coming up through the system and obviously WWC, being the big promotion in Puerto Rico, you were the youngest world champion ever. There was that just huge kind of shoes to fill as you're kind of not only getting into the business but becoming the champion. So there's an extra other pressure, you know, an extra kind of thing to throw on you. Like, all right, we're going to make you the youngest champ ever. It's going to be a huge push for you. Uh, you
1: know, I didn't I didn't even realize I'll be getting mentioned at the time that I was the youngest champion. I'm just I'm just learning that now. Oh wow, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, being the champion. You know, at any of the promotions, always a, a big responsibility. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I did, if I had known that at the time, maybe it would have had more pressure,
2: but I had, I had no idea about that
1: a little tidbit of information.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Pretty cool, uh, now, now, you, now you know, you're the youngest champion. And as far as getting in and, and wrestling WBC, was your father kind of the, the primary as soon as you get in, he's the kind of you know basically telling you what you're going to do and how you're going to do it or or how how did the kind of structure work in wwc and wwc
1: uh no because you, you 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 go out there and you know you can't really put you didn't really put much together you had to go out there and you know what i mean so you can't really control that you know it's up to you know it's up to the performers
2: and was he your main trainer when, you, as far as when you started training to get in, was he the one that was training you?
1: No, he he. We come around from time to time, but most of my trainers were uh, Ricky Santana
2: and a guy named
1: uh, Isaac Sadio.
2: And I'm sure they knew immediately, like, man, this guy's got got it in his blood. He's one of the colognes. He's going to be a damn good wrestler.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't, They didn't have much choice because uh, they had three weeks, I think, to get me prepared for
2: to go in the ring. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. you really only had that amount of time before training and actual getting into the ring for a match? Yeah, I,
1: I only trained about twice a week
2: for about three weeks. Wow, how come so little on the training?
1: Well, I mean, it was a long day. Like, it was, you know, I'd, I'd, it was, I don't know how many hours, but I'd you know, get there in the morning and leave at night. It was like, uh, what do you call it when you, when you got a, a cramp for a, a, a big exam?
2: It was kind of one of those things. Almost like football, the double and triple sessions that they used to yeah. put the guys yeah. through.
1: Yeah, and then and then the rest the rest you know, the rest I learned I learned on the job.
2: <laughs> is that kinda of the way it should be done, do you think? Is it better to kinda of learn on the job?
1: I don't know. I, it, it depends, you know, I mean it depends for different people. I, I you know, I'm not gonna say that
2: the way I was, you know,
1: is better than any other way. I don't know. I think certain people it works, you know, works for certain people and some people Another way it might work where we have to, you know, you know like uh, hand feed them everything. But you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't really, uh, you know, judge on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And as far as getting in there, learning on the job, was that they put you in there with a lot of veterans at first, and that's how you learn? Or how yeah, they... yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they kept them, Yeah, of course, if they put me with other rookies, that just would have been a disaster. <laughs> yes. They had me in there with guys that they could know, you know, could make me look good and, and take care of me out there.
2: And as far as kind of coming in and, and wrestling, a lot of these big names and stuff, they had you wrestling always, you know, as you obviously you're wrestling veterans and stuff, but as you're kind of making your way through, you always wrestled some of the top guys that they brought into the territory. Was that something you know you, you were very prideful of, and obviously maybe financially was is a, a better for you as well? But is that something you're like, all right, you no, know, this big name is coming into the territory, I'm I'm wrestling him. That's something to look forward to.
1: Um, I don't know, man. To me, it just it just it just became a job. You know what I mean? Like we always oh, you know, would you would you? Oh, you know, yeah. Like who would you want to wrestle? They here wrestle. Whatever. I don't know. It's has been a job for me since since I was a kid, you know what I mean? So I, I didn't really uh, see it the way other people, like as a fan coming into the business, you know what I mean? It was always just, okay, who's this? Okay, you know, yeah, I know what he's done and whatever, but we got a job to do. We don't have time to be, I don't have time to be
2: fangirling over. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> yep. Is that something that maybe your father kind of influenced as well? Like, you know, you got to focus in on the job. and no, I, I, I think fan? you could, I think you could
1: probably ask other second generations. It's just, it's just we've been around the business so long, you know, it's like, ah, eh, you know, okay. You know what I mean? It's not really... You've seen all these guys, and you've seen them in the back. You've seen, you know, you've seen them hang out with your dad and stuff. You know what I mean? You've Was seen, any- you seen. I guess you've seen behind the curtain and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Was there any issues with you being a second generation star and kind of getting a push or anything like that from the guys in the back?
1: Um, no, not really. The kind of people understood. You know, it's just the. Uh, it's always said like second generation, third generation, it's always been a, it's a double edged sword. The doors open a lot faster, but at the same time, you've got to perform. You know, what I mean, they expect a lot more from you right from the get go. So it's you know, it's it's yeah, you're getting you know, if you're yeah, you're getting quick. But if you don't, you know, you don't have the the tools to make it, you're not going to make it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They'll find they'll find it out quick that you're not good enough or something, and they'll move on to the next guy.
1: Right. You don't. Yeah, you don't have that extra time that others that you know that aren't secretaries. Well, you know, he's new, whatever. Not like you know, so like, he should know all the stuff. He should be. You know, what I mean, he should be at this
2: level. Is that any kind of extra pressure to you that that man? I gotta you know make sure that um, it's so good, so fast, or else you know it kind of makes the Cologne name look bad, anything like that. Ah uh, no, I already I already felt like I was pretty polished
1: when I left Puerto Rico. So it was just it was just more my more pressure was of, of uh, understanding the market outside of Puerto Rico and trying to get over you
2: know I mean with a different audience. And as far as Puerto Rico, and then ended up in WWE. How does that kind of, how does that happen? How do you kind of make the jump? They they see you, they they know who you are, they're very familiar with you from Puerto Rico, and you make the jump, or somebody's scouting you?
1: Uh, they had a scout. I think I think it was actually Bruce Pritchard, I think, that he was sent down to Puerto Rico uh, to look at talent. I think it was for another promotion that was in Puerto Rico at the time uh, that Savi was running, IWA. But then apparently, I, the way the story goes, he turned on the local television, I guess, my dad's show was on, and he saw me. And uh, when he went back, he recommended me to uh, the higher-ups. And then from there, um, I think I, I got a call. My dad got a call, I don't know, sometime after. And then a few months after that, they sent me to, I think it was Greenville or somewhere, North Carolina, South Carolina. And I did my first dark match with, uh, I believe it was Tommy Dreamer. And I did my second one the next night on SmackDown with uh, Jamie Noble. And then after that, they, they, uh, they hired me. After my first match, actually.
2: That is awesome, and you're kind of not, like, new, so to speak, to, to, you know, WB, or I'm sure you're very familiar with it, but what what was it like when they do that and they give you the call and, and you're going in there? Were you thinking, like, wow, this is great, or were you kind of, like, saying this is just another part of the job and this is the next step of my ascension? I oh,
1: don't know. I thought it was great. You know, it was a great opportunity for me. I was just thinking, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I'd get out of Puerto Rico, so I was just excited hmm. to... I was excited to, to, to be able to you know to go somewhere else, come some you know go to bigger, bigger scenario. And, you know, go so, to the, the, the big leagues, as they say.
2: Yes, absolutely. So when do they kind of bring you in or do or when do you kind of meet with Vince and say, all right, you know, we like you, you're signed, but now let's come up with a character and let's start developing you.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I met with Vince until like I was in after OEW, a while after my they kind of fleshed out my character and stuff and started coming up with ideas.
2: Who was OVW at that point? Was it uh, Danny Davis and Cornette? Was it that era?
1: Yeah, Danny Davis and Cornette. Yeah, they were the ones at the time. And Rip Rogers was the head trainer. I believe
2: he still is, right? Yeah, still down there. Yeah. Which is crazy. What is you know what was your thoughts on the time in OVW as you're kind of get ready to really make your jump to WWE?
1: Uh yeah, it was, it was it was a good time. You know, I met a lot of a lot of you know a lot of people I still keep in touch with today. I met there. Uh, I felt like I learned, you know, I learned a lot about the uh you know, uh, just about the WWE style, whatever and uh the, you know, American audience. Uh so I felt, you know, I felt uh, as a lot of, I learned a lot from um from I definitely learned a lot from Rip Rogers. I thought he was a great trainer. And then I just learned, you know, taught me how to, you know, live life on the road.
2: What were your thoughts on Jim Cornette?
1: Um I yeah, I mean I I don't think he was he was my biggest fan. I don't think he said, he, I don't think he thought I took uh, OVW uh, uh, seriously, but, it, you know, the way I thought it was, you know, it doesn't matter what happens here in OVW, because, you know, I'm trying to get to the, to WWE, so I didn't, you know, so I guess, you know, because, you know, he, he had to, he had to write the show and produce the show and stuff, so I guess he took it very seriously, and he felt I didn't take it serious enough. Um, me, personally, I had, I had nothing against Cornette, I don't, now, you know what I mean, I still, uh, you know, I, him, I, say hi, I say hi to him, I don't have any, any beef
2: with him, any ill will. So when you're about to get the call up, how does that kind of go down? Does Vince call down to OVW? Is it another thing where Pritchard's calling down and you get sent up? How does that process work? Ah uh, man, this is going
1: this is going way back. I don't I don't quite remember. I think Johnny Ace had something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember they sent me to Miami to do to start uh, filming some vignettes.
2: And they obviously are developing that character, which is Carlito Caribbean Cool. What did you think when you're kind of doing these vignettes, and kind of what's your input on them?
1: Um, yeah, I was kind of I kind of felt like with the character. The character was kind of like me in a way. So I, I just, I, you know, I uh, it was They kind of based the character off off of me and the way I, you know, the way I work and stuff. Now and that was cool. I didn't I didn't realize that they were old Razor Ramon ripoff vignettes until I was at the Hall of Fame where they showed
0: <laughs> they showed all <laughs> Razor's
1: old. I said, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you did the same thing with mine. I never got that comparison. People say, oh, he's a Razor Moon ripoff. I was like, what? I
2: don't, I'm nothing like him. Then I saw the vignettes. I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I was.
2: They were definitely inspired, let's just say at least inspired by Razor Moon. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Did you have input as far as the character? On, on what? Like when you're doing the vignettes, are you? is it scripted or is it? you're like, all right, I'm coming up with what I'm saying and I'm doing this?
1: No, it was, yeah, it was all scripted, but, you know, they didn't tell me how to say it. I would just say it the way I would I would do it or the way the character would do it. I think it was, and, you know, some, mostly script with some imp- I don't know, because my memory's not that great, so
2: I don't know if I remember the whole script. And it's interesting because they throw in the spitting the apples, and, you know, I spit on people who don't, you know, they don't want to be cool like that thing. Is that them, too, where they're like, all right, this is going to be a really cool spin on it? No,
1: that was that was Vince's call. I guess Vince oh, saw that okay. in then one of the vignettes he saw it, you know, and he he laughed. And he said he loved it. He wanted me he wanted me to keep doing that.
2: Oh, so you actually made that up and kind of ad libbed it a little?
1: No, no, that was part of the that was because Razor Ramon does the same thing. I think.
2: I don't know. Well, he, yeah,
1: he I, he didn't spit an apple. I don't know what he spit, but he, I think he spat in the guy's face. The toothpick. He had
2: the, tooth the toothpick. toothpick.
1: Yeah, the toothpick. Yeah. yeah, but I, I did an apple in the guy's face and he loved it.
2: And He goes, yeah, I want you to keep doing that to people. I was like, All right. <laughs> It was definitely different and it may, it made you stand out almost immediately. Obviously, the vignettes are cool and kind of miss that they don't really do those vignettes anymore, but it, that was kind of cool and that was so different. You didn't have any sort of like issues or problems. Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to spin on people or I'm going to spin an apple on people. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, that's fine. It works for me. <laughs> And what is so interesting about that character, I thought it was great, but you know that they like it when immediately you come in and you kind of beat their boy, or eventually who would become their boy, but immediately come in and you beat John Cena for the U.S. title and, you know, go undefeated for a little bit. So I thought that was pretty cool and pretty remarkable. What were your thoughts? You you immediately get in, you you immediately get the U.S. title, and you beat John Cena on the way in. Yeah,
1: that was big. I knew there was a a lot of responsibility in that. Uh, I just... I just knew I had to, you know, I said, okay, well, now the stakes are really high. I just got to perform at, you know, at a high level. I didn't want uh yeah, I didn't want to let anybody down.
2: But well, that was such a unique way kind of to, to bring in the vignettes, the, the whole gimmick and kind of Razor Mona-esque, obviously, but the fact that you come in and you beat Seed and you win the U.S. title right away, that's not something that's always what happens to guys that debut. So was that something where they had big plans for you?
1: Yeah, I guess. They didn't tell me until about,
2: I think, a couple of days
1: before or something. I, mean, they, I don't know if that, but they might have told me the night up. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, when they told me, I was like, oh, wow, I'm all right. It's going to be interesting.
2: And yeah, and it's great. Not only have you seen it, then, you know, guys like RVD and Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. I mean, we're talking about. The best of the best. What were your thoughts yeah. on, on kind of getting the ring with these guys and, and getting the win and really starting to get a nice little push and really start to get over? Yeah. And, I, and then I think I
1: injured my shoulder. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: So did that, that injury kind of derail you from, from basically uh, a big I, push? No, I think
1: it actually helped me because then they, it, it, it forced them to give me a mic. And I think I was able to, to show them, you know, that I could talk on the mic too. And get away, to, you know, do character stuff, which I was, you know, I, I, I thought that was entertaining because they wanted a way to keep me on TV. Of course, I couldn't wrestle, so they just they just gave me the mic.
2: Yeah, the uh, Carlitos Cabana segment. That, you're right; that is kind of a cool way to keep you on TV, and despite the injury, keep you on TV, right?
1: Yeah. And of course, you know, force force me to talk more, which is, you know, it's just a good way of getting yourself out there.
2: Was that easy for you to, to you know be on the mic, and is that very comfortable for you
1: yeah it was it was, it was pretty comfortable yeah i would gotten comfortable in
2: in Puerto Rico I'd gotten comfortable with it, and then
1: uh like I said it was just you know it was, like, it was more of the same just on a bigger scale, but it, you know I still felt that it, as comfortable I remember at first in Puerto Rico it terrified me like even doing promos in the back or just speaking in front of a a crowd, but then you know it just
2: comes with everything the more you practice it the more you get you get used to it. And became very, very comfortable with, and I think a lot of people remember the early days of of your career in the WWE and think back to WrestleMania 21 with Piper's Pit and Roddy Piper and you kind of going nose to nose with one of the greatest talkers ever in the history of the business. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right, yeah. WrestleMania 21,
2: yeah. What are your thoughts on kind of being able to work with a guy like Piper at that point? Because that was pretty cool, because, you know, you're not wrestling or anything, but you're going nose-to-nose nose with the guy that's known as being one of the greatest talkers.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and also, you know, having Stone Cold there, too.
2: Yes. Uh, yep. You
1: know, it's cool. I it couldn't wrestle, but at least, you know, it was a, it was a nice little segment on on, on WrestleMania.
2: So, that was, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it keeps you on the show. And that, at that point, obviously, one of the biggest shows. I mean, without, yeah. without a doubt. And you had all those guys and all those big names, and they went Hollywood. So, it's really cool to be on the show at all. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of go through your career, I mean, you get drafted to raw, you end up winning the IC belt. Was that something again, where as you start to get healthy and they start bringing it back and you're winning the IC title. So one of those things where like, okay, now getting a push towards maybe the world title or what were your thoughts on at this point?
1: Uh, man, my thoughts just ride the wave and, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Uh, I just I just like being a part, you know what I mean, a, a, part, a meaningful part of the show. I don't know if, you know, being world champion would have been great, but my main goal, I just liked being a part of the show and being used, you know what I mean, and, and, and actually people caring when you came out.
0: That was my main, the main thing I got out of it. Hey, let's pause one second to tell you all about the benefits of using Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom with a little help from the Triple Threat Podcast and the Two Man Power Trip. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as any other pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, if you know anything about our show, we've always got to be ready. But with Blue Chew, if you can benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, then Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code FRANCHISE and just pay $5 shipping again. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and pay just $5 shipping. Again, it's bluechew.com, B L U E Choo.com. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and try it for free, courtesy of your friends over at the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling and the Triple Threat Podcast. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast.
2: Very interesting. So it's basically you want the, the fans to... Um... To care and you want the fans to be interested what is kind of the, the, the psychology like not just to keep their their you know them being into you and stuff but what's kind of the psychology of, of making sure the fans are cheering you and they do get into you
1: well I don't care if they blew me or cheered me I just I just wanted them to react I just want to make sure that when I come out there they weren't bored <laughs>
2: <laughs> is there like a certain thing you like prefer being the heel you prefer being the face like what well, you, before,
1: yeah before I always preferred being the heel. Now I don't. I can be either one,
2: either or. It doesn't matter
1: to me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I really hated being babyface. I really hated being the good guy. Uh, I, yeah, the way I, cause I just felt more, I could be more. You know, I could be. Uh, I don't know, like the chains were off when I could be a heel, I, and I felt I felt I was more entertaining as a heel. I don't think I was very good as a as a babyface actually.
2: Easier for you, just naturally, just easier to be the heel.
1: Yeah, it was just naturally be. Yeah, exactly.
2: You know, it's interesting. It more,
1: I thought it was always a lot more fun. Now I now I kinda of enjoy being the good guy too. But I didn't I didn't at that time I didn't I didn't enjoy being the good guy.
2: And it's interesting with you because it seems like okay, he's he's got, you know he's involved with uh, Piper a little bit or whatever. He you know, you're wrestling, Rick Flair. But then they kinda of just throw in the tag team with Chris Masters and I mean you do get the WrestleMania twenty two match with Kane and Big Show, but it's almost like, man, I think maybe your talents might be better used single competition. Did you mind being in a tag team, or, or is that a good spot for you?
1: Uh, I thought that, I thought the stuff I did with Chris was good. It was just entertaining, you know, some entertaining stuff. Um, I I always I always I always like being on my own, but they, for some reason I always wanted to pair me with somebody. I always but I always enjoyed just
2: you know being
1: on my own. I like doing my own thing.
2: Yeah, it seems like it's a. Uh... I don't know, more your style, if you will, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say maybe like a bodyguard or something. But, yeah, you seem like, you know, you kind of just kind of should be off off on your own, good on the mic, good worker, you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting the way that they kind of put people into certain spots that may not fit. Yeah. I I don't know why they kept on putting them somewhere.
1: Then they put them with girls, which is another bad idea.
2: Yeah, Trish Stratus, right, at one point. Yeah, Tristan, and Tori. I uh, mean, somebody else.
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> that was yeah. That was, that also wasn't like you know. I always said like Carlito was a guy that bragged about getting girls, but didn't really get the girls. You know what I mean? So the fact that he has the girl kind of just You know what I mean? He just threw the whole thing off. It's like no, he's the guy that you know. I got to tell you about being with a hundred women, but yeah, you're not know, I even mean, in reality. <laughs> nobody, knows, women can't stand him. <laughs>
2: And it would make sense for the heel character if you, you know if you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. well, this guy. yeah,
1: and i tried to explain it to them, but no, you want to be the ladies' that... Oh
2: Jesus Christ! All right, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yep. And eventually, you start teaming with your brother, Primo Colon, another uh, Colon from the great wrestling family known as the Colones. What are your thoughts of teaming with your brother? Obviously, you guys win the tag title a few times, and, and obviously yeah. get a good I run. Would... What are...
1: I wish uh, – yeah, if I could do something again, I wish I could do that because uh, I didn't really – I was already miserable at that time. I, I didn't enjoy my time. So, you know, I wish I would have in a better state of mind so I could have, you know, we could have had more fun with uh, the stuff we had. Because I not know, about telling my brother, we did some great stuff. But it's just, you know, the, the, my mental state was not, was not good at that point.
2: What was going on at that point that you were pissed off or you're not in a good mental state?
1: um just the creatively like you know what I mean? they're, they're, they're doing anything with me i think i'd asked for my release like twice before that and uh they didn't, <laughs> they didn't give it to me so i was kind of like, like not stuck there but you know I, I just wanted to get away for a while it's not that i didn't you know like i hated w or whatever i just i just felt i needed to get away and
2: like, they just
1: like i said like uh, i said like that I enjoyed, going out and being creative. Sometimes when you just go out there to have a match, just to have a match, there's nothing going on with you. You know, what I mean, for me, that was like, I, I don't want. It. If that's if that's the way it's going to
2: be, I don't want to be here. And that's one of those things where they don't really listen to you creatively. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to kind of go with what you want, or they don't listen to you at all.
1: Um, well, you get some ideas and stuff, but I, I, you know, I stopped pitching ideas.
2: Mm. I just,
1: I just, I just completely mentally gave up. Like, I, I had checked out mentally.
2: Like, just bitter at this point? Didn't you weren't where yeah. you thought you should be at?
1: Yeah, I was just angry and bitter, and then the, the travel had gotten to me. I was just,
2: yeah, everything was just annoying me. <laughs> so they're thinking, like, oh, we'll put him with his brother, you know, the one that tag tells this might make him happy? Or what What was kind of no, the I, don't, I don't on think they, that? No,
1: I don't think they cared about appeasing me at that point.
2: Uh no,
1: I mean, it was, it was just great stuff. I thought we did great stuff with Miz and Morrison. Yes, yep. Just, uh, you know. I, did, I think, I, think I, I did some stuff with Santino, too, which I thought, thinking back now, that would have been some funny stuff if my head was right, but it is what it is.
2: Yeah, it's some entertaining stuff, and obviously Santino is kind of known for that and always doing some crazy entertaining stuff, not necessarily known for – yeah, you know, crazy bumps or crazy matches, but always entertaining the crowd and always but, kind of yeah, getting I just, over. Yeah, I just think of all the, the skits we could have done. I mean, yes,
1: would have been funny. And when you ask for your release
2: at this point, they don't grant it. Like, what is like, what's their process? What do they say? Oh, we don't want you going someplace else, or what do they say?
1: Um, I'm trying to remember. This was a long, long time ago. One, uh, one, one time. I don't know. It's the first time or the second time. But one time, uh, Vince got me with the the Jedi mind trick. Hmm. <laughs> he calls you to his office. You go in there, have one to race, whatever. He goes, Oh, let me talk to you. All right. So you go in there. And then uh, somehow you agree to walk out. And as soon as you close, you know, they promise you all this kind of stuff. And as soon as you walk out, like, Oh, man, they just got me, didn't they? <laughs> it's like, Oh, man, he got me with the Jedi mind trick. <laughs> but that's why, you know, that's why, that's why he's the genius that he is.
2: <laughs> that is something that I always hear from wrestlers. Like, you go in one way, and then he somehow massages it. And turns yeah. it around, and you leave a different way. That, is that always the case? He's just kind of like, like you, know, you said, a genius, just outsmarts people.
1: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think mean, he tells you, he tells you exactly what you want to hear, and like you know, like, yeah, like every, and then everything you say is right. You know, what I mean, everything they're doing wrong. You know, they has got to change, and it's going to be different. And then, and it's funny because you, you whatever you believe it, then when as soon as you walk out the door, you're like, oh man, he got me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is great. He's, he's definitely uh, you know some kind of genius. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, people oh, yeah. Or not. And as far as eventually you and Primo win the titles and you lose the titles, obviously at one point you guys unify the titles, but as far as yourself, they actually do eventually grant you your release and you do eventually leave WWE. What was the whole... Story behind the release this time was it because you actually they finally granted it, or other reasons? No, it was other reasons.
1: It was more uh, painkiller related.
2: Oh, okay. So failed drug test or whatever you want to say. No, I never test?
1: technically. I never technically failed a drug test, but they. I think they asked me to go to rehab and I refused. I kept on telling them I said I don't need rehab. I need to be away from here, which you don't get. And like as soon as as soon as I, I left the company, I got my mind right. It was just I was just. Being, I remember, was just uh, being miserable all the time, and it was, it's not complete. You know, it's not all WWE's fault, you know. What I mean, I was, you know,
2: I was in a bad place myself. I don't know why. And do you think that the way that they did that was the right way to kind of go about it? Like, oh, you're not getting into rehab. We're gonna fire. you. kind of. Oh the no, I, was,
1: I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I, 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 for me, it was an excuse to get fired. I was like, I couldn't wait. I was like, as soon as I called, I said, Nope, I'm not going at all. And then they having me back a couple times, and they said, "Okay, we're gonna have to release this." Said, All right, cool. And like, <laughs> I was just—I just remember I felt like I was free. That not is that, great. You know, not like, like I said, not that working for them was terrible. It's just for me, it was what I needed. You know what I mean? I needed to be away. Yeah, totally... the whole—not even you know—the whole wrestling business. You know, in the whole—at least the structured like company wrestling business. So yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was ecstatic. <laughs> it's funny how to hear that <laughs> you'd be happy to get
2: fired. Now, as far as that, is that one of those things where obviously you don't go to rehab, you get released, you're finally happy? Is that one of those things where you stop doing the pills, and as soon as WB goes away, yeah, everything just everything just kind of yeah.
1: I remember just
2: not being miserable anymore.
1: I remember like taking pills and like man, it's not as fun as it used to be because it it it, it was would calm me down, would would take the anger away, and then all of a sudden just all right, just got rid of everything.
2: Now, they bring it back in 2014, obviously not back back, but when your dad, Carlos Colon, gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, they bring you back and you're a part of that speech. Is that any sort of animosity there or there's hard feelings or anything, or was that everybody was happy you were back for the one night?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think some people weren't suicidal. So I was I was totally fine. Like I, I had no beefs or no uh, ill will or bad energy against anybody. I was just happy to be there to, for – for, you know, such a big honor for my dad and be able
2: to be part of it. What was that like? Because the Colognes, like I mentioned before, is one of the greatest wrestling families ever in the history of the business. There's no doubt. I mean, you, your brother, obviously your father being the patriarch. What was it like him getting inducted in the Hall of Fame? Like kind of the gratification and everyone kind of saying, you know what? Uh, WWE is going to recognize all the great wrestlers.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great. You know, it felt long overdue. I was just, you know, we knew he was going to get in eventually. So, it was just something like, man, you know, finally. And I just, you know, just to see how happy he was and just to see him, you know, standing in front of his peers and in front of everybody, you know, it
2: was – I was very proud. Long overdue for sure. And as we head towards the wind down, we start to wrap it up, i got to ask this because you've been to, you know, WB, obviously OVW we talked about. Puerto Rico, WWC was such a big part. You wrestled down in Mexico. You wrestled Japan. You wrestled everywhere. Do you have some favorite matches that you had throughout your career?
1: Yeah, I get I get asked that a lot too. Again, it's back to the work thing. It's just there's been so many. You know what I mean? Mhm. Yep. And uh, you know, and it's just it's just you know one rolls into the other. I don't I can't really pick out or I didn't even you know I didn't even think about stuff like that. You know. I don't. This hasn't really crossed my mind. I don't know. I know this. You know this. This. I, all I can remember is people you didn't look forward to working with. And don't ask me because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw any names out there. But I'm just saying.
2: That's kinda mm, one, yes,
1: yeah, That's kind of things I remember.
2: <laughs> so you see their name on the board and you get happy. Yeah, like, I right. oh, oh, good, I'm working with this go, guy. God, all right, here we go. <laughs> And obviously, you know, you're a bit of a Puerto Rican icon yourself and your father is and the name is, but you're a bit of a Puerto Rican icon. And I just know, like, anytime there was, like, kind of a big-name wrestler, like, oh, he's headed down to Puerto Rico, usually they were working with you for a certain period of time. So it's like, oh, uh, Scott Hall is going to be down there. Of course he's wrestling Carlito or uh, Sting or, you know, guys like that. It's just like you always kind of wrestle big names down there. It's just funny, like, whenever you saw results or whenever you're looking, you're like, yep, I bet you wrestled Carlito in the main event. Yeah,
1: I think that's, what, yeah, that's kind of like when I, you know, the second generation thing, I guess. That's how you know, when I went to the States or WWE. I already worked in front of thousands of people. I've already worked, you know, uh, main eventers. So, that you know, it wasn't
2: something new to me. You were very comfortable in that situation. I was very,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. I
2: was comfortable in those situations already. And as far as kind of misconception about Carlito, what do you think is kind of like the biggest misconception about you and the business? Me?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even even worry about that. (laughs) People can think whatever they want. Uh, I wouldn't know. know. What 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 have you heard?
2: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I just always kind of go back, not really to the cornet thing, but just like, oh, it almost came so easy to you, and you were such a natural. Like, oh, he doesn't care, like that kind of thing. Is that ever really ever the case?
1: Yeah, I got that a lot. I think that was everyone's main complaint about me, is I didn't look like I wanted it. Like I don't know, it's just it's, everything just came, you know, or like my stuff was too smooth. It's like, I don't know, it's just you know, but I, you know, I definitely, I definitely cared. Like I said, I man, I think at that point I cared too much. I think that's why I started, you know, down that downward spiral. Because you know, I, I, did, I didn't like. I felt like I was going out there with my hand with, with handcuffs on.
2: Not a good feeling. That's uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Where do you think you could have or should have been in WWE? You think world title contention, world champion, or do you not even think about stuff like that? I
1: don't know. I don't think about this.
2: You know, that's wasted uh, energy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Any kind of chance ever at a return in WWE, or is that something you're not even interested in?
1: I'm willing willing to work anywhere. You know what I mean? If if, if it's right. I mean, I last spoke to WWE in, I think, 2015, where they made me an offer, but they lowballed me. So I made a counteroffer, and then – they uh, called me back and politely told me to go fornicate with myself. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, in a way. <laughs>
2: right. Who was uh, in charge? Was that Triple H at that point or Johnny Yates?
1: Uh, no, no, we, we no. You, you know we know the, You know they really want you when you get a call from Hunter. I think uh,
2: Carano was the one that called me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. More Carano. Gotcha. Yeah. So like yeah, if, if, I mean, they would have made a you know a, a good offer. I would have you
1: know I would have gone, gone back. I mean, I would happy go back. But you know, I'm not gonna go back. You know, for less.
2: Almost kind of not insulting, but almost just like, well, what the hell? You no, Why would you it me kinda, I
1: kind of felt it was a slap in the face. Like if you call me, I get it if I call you, but if you call me, you at least start at the same you know I mean, same amount you were you were offering before. And, like, to come out with that offer, I, like, I already knew, I already knew being, like, oh was going downhill quick. <laughs> was like, Wow, okay.
2: Yeah, why, why make the call if you know, like, the guys, not going to, you know I mean? It just doesn't make sense. Like, come on, guys. are or, do or, don't,
1: or don't tell me you're excited, you know, to bring me back and then do that to me. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. It's me two different
2: things. So crazy. And and as far as the colognes and as far as yourself, what do you think is kind of the lasting legacy of the colognes? On the wrestling business what's kind of the stamp what's something that the the fans when the history books are closed will always remember about the colognes
1: i'm just hoping that uh you know providing that puerto rico to be a territory for people to work you know what i mean all the big names were there before in the past some of the new kids have gone through there now so i just you know just maintaining that company running i think and giving an avenue for you know for the young guys coming up to be able to work and you know work in front of a crowd on a on a weekly basis is uh, i think kind of what the cologne legacy should be
2: and as far as plugs and everything else like where can the fans find you where can the fans see you
1: um right now you can oh you can catch me on glow the first three seasons uh quite possibly the fourth one uh coming out next year um i'm in a show called medical police on netflix that comes out i think next next year and then uh, the Goldbergs. I'll be on the Goldbergs this well, the, uh, the sixth. Is that next next Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So and there. Uh, and then just yeah, whatever you know, on the uh, indie circuit, wherever wherever I show up.
2: You know, one last thing about the acting career because you are on glow. Obviously, you know, you're popping up every. What are your thoughts on kind of this acting career? Because these are not small shows and small roles. You know what I mean? I mean these are pretty big shows.
1: Yeah, I've been, I've been very lucky. I've been, you know, I've been very blessed that, you know, nobody, you know, gets the, you know, first to gig, something like that. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's just trying out something new. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I think what I like most about it is that uh, I feel like I'm a rookie again, you know, for being a veteran in an industry for so long. Because, you know, I feel like I'm starting right at the bottom again and kind of working my way up. So I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to paying my dues again
2: did wrestling really kind of prepare you for this? Yeah, I think wrestling in WWE, especially, you know, just,
1: you know, doing those big, you know, things in the back and stuff, it kind of prepares you for,
2: for the acting world. All right. Awesome stuff. And, and as well, as far as social media, what are you, you know, where can the fans find you on social media and things like that?
1: Uh, my Instagram is at Lito Colon 279. And my Twitter is at, at Body Guy Lito. Uh, yeah. Follow me if you want, uh, I can't guarantee I'll be interested or not, but, you know, those are there if you want them. <laughs> if you guys want to follow, follow.
2: <laughs>
1: and that's all I don't. I don't have Facebook, even though it's like 14 of mine, but I don't, I don't know who runs those. Uh, yeah, none
2: of them are you, yes.
1: Yeah, none of them are me, yeah. The only ones I have is, is the Twitter and the, and the Instagram.
2: All right, Carlito, awesome stuff. Definitely a, a Puerto Rican icon, and good luck with the acting career. It seems like it's going great with glow and – you know, the medical police and obviously the Goldberg's huge show on ABC. So good luck and continued success in the acting career. And thank you so much for joining us today.
0: All right. Thank you, man. This podcast was a presentation of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire.